0: Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to The Dead Parent Club Podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad and the banter.
1: I think the reason that people end up having such wild sense of humour is because they're just, they're, it's literally just trying to survive. And then if you can find other people that are going through that and understand that why you're making that joke or why you're being so goddamn blunt about, you know, whatever it is to do with death, it just makes it the whole thing so much easier to survive.
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. Before I introduce this week's fantastic guest, I just want to give a huge shout out to basically all of us who are self isolating at the moment. I know that this can be an incredibly difficult time, so I just want you to know that I'm sending lots of love, strength, and support your way. Hopefully, this week's episode will provide you with some laughter this week. Um, I was blessed to have Alexa Gibbons come onto the show this week and she brought a lot of joy to my Saturday morning. Alexa is honestly just a woman after my own heart. Um, She uses stand-up comedy as an outlet for her grief throughout her grief journey and we cover basically how she kind of ended up on this path of using stand-up comedy and how it resulted in the birth of her amazing show, Alexa Tells a Dad Joke. Honestly, this is not one to miss and I'm going to have a link to her amazing show in the show notes as well for you guys to listen and watch. It's incredible. Thank you so much and enjoy. First of all, Alexa, thank you so much for coming on to the Dead Parent Club podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me
0: um it's been a long time coming because obviously we did have contact with you ages and ages ago so what better time to have a laugh than when you're stuck in quarantine yeah, absolutely <laughs> and stuck about your dead parent
1: like <laughs> i need people to talk about my dead parent with so
0: <laughs> yeah now you're just stuck talking to yourself in your house like, ah. <laughs> nobody brings it up because everybody's bored of me talking about it <laughs>
1: I've got the same three people in my house, they're like, oh no, not again.
0: (laughs) Alexa, stop doing the show, we've seen it five times already.
1: (laughs) That is basically my housemate's life. They're just like, I'll just try out new material on them and be like, great, okay, they laughed at that, fantastic. (laughs) Um,
0: So if you could please just give a brief introduction into your name, what you do, where you're from, just so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit.
1: Of course. So my name is Alexa Gibbons. I am from Bristol. I'm 28. Um, and when I am not in quarantine, I am a circus teacher and performer. So I hang about in the air and teach other people to do it, essentially. Um, and I, that's also what my degree is in. So I finished my degree. in wow. Yeah, it's a pretty
0: cool one. To be fair. <laughs> how, how do you get into that? Like, it's so niche.
1: I know, I know. So I used to go to um like pole dancing classes. Um and then um the same studio I was doing I was going to for that, they um they did aerial hoop classes and I was like, Oh, that looks like a laugh and I started doing it and I was like, Oh, this is great and then found out that in Bristol there is a place where you can do a degree in circus and I was like, Well, I don't have any other degrees, so yeah, let's go <laughs> And um and then it just became like just a huge turning point in my life. I didn't really expect it to be such a massive thing. But going to this uni and doing um, doing this degree, just my whole life completely changed from it. Um, and yeah, so I, I finished my degree June 2018. Um, and um, in April 2018 is when my dad passed away so Geesh.
0: yeah how did, finish, how did you finish that degree man I bet you were like right at the very end of it as well like your last kind of mm-hmm. so example that... performances and stuff
1: yeah exactly so the last bit for us is a thing called a final major project so all the FMP and um so it's like here's 20 minutes on stage on your own make your thing um and I was in the middle of making that and then suddenly I was like oh my god my dad's dead what the hell am mm. I going to do now it was funny because what I was working on was about um, the, the project ended up being about photographs and freezing things in time. And whether I was reading a lot about when you take a photograph of someone, if that person, if you've killed that moment by taking the photograph or whether you've mm. made it live forever. And all of this was part of it. And then suddenly all I had left of dad was these photographs. And I was like, "Oh, this has really become very poignant in a way yeah. I did not expect." Um, so I kind of, I just powered through. I just, just like, I just need to finish this degree. And what it, what came to me from it was that actually, a, a huge part of my going to university was because Dad wanted me to,
0: mm, and yeah.
1: because, um, yeah, and to make him proud. And it's something I hadn't realized until he was gone. It was like just horrible irony um but yeah so i so powered through this degree um at the end and then afterwards i was like oh god now i can (laughs) (laughs) now the grief is coming
0: (laughs) I, I i need to know what was your um final consensus on whether taking photograph kills the moment or keeps them alive forever
1: oh i don't know i i can definitely see both points of view but i think maybe Maybe the consensus would be different if I hadn't gone through what I'd gone through at the end mm. of the break, but I think maybe, I think maybe it is the keeping them alive. I don't think it's killing mm. the moment. I think it is, it's keeping that moment there and frozen. And yeah, yeah, I, um, yeah, photographs now have become even more important to me than they had before because...
0: Yeah, they are like your literal only source of comfort, if that's all you've got mm. left of them, aren't they?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, and yeah. So I, well, how well, I was twenty six when Dad passed away. Um, he was sixty two. He, um, mm. so I left my house on Monday on a Monday morning, um, and then I was staying with my partner for a couple of days. This is when we lived separately, and um, and I got a call on the Wednesday from my mum, and she was like, "Your dad's had a stroke." Um, and I, and at this point I didn't, it's not that I didn't take it seriously, but I had known people that have recovered from strokes. So you just think, oh, well, life's going to change, but people can recover. Um, and it wasn't until I then got to the hospital, um, that the, the people that were looking after dad were like, it's too, it's too big. We can't do Mm. anything. So he'd woken up seemingly fine that morning had was getting ready to go to work in the evening and then suddenly had this massive stroke and then within 40 minutes of the stroke starting he was unconscious and then the next day he passed away
0: god it's terrifying isn't
1: it it's yeah so much of my first part of the grief was just imagining how that must have been for him and how terrifying that must have been Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it makes, it's funny that the quarantine thing is happening right now because, and I'm sure lots of other people who have experienced this kind of thing will feel similar in that to start with once, um, when dad had p- first passed away, I was so convinced anytime anyone went out of my sight that they were going to die. <laughs> like, yeah, that's <laughs> such a huge
0: thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, and now it's like I I slowly got past that and get, saying goodbye to people wasn't such a massive thing to me anymore and it just became, you you go back to a your new normal. Yeah. And, um, and now the quarantine things happened. I'm like, I left, I saw my mum last week and then I knew that it would be the last time I would see her for a while because we'd all be put in self-isolation. And I was just like, oh, God, this is horrible. What if I don't ever see her again? It's just, it's that... It really brings back
0: those feelings. Yeah, I bet. Well, I think one of the things I've been thinking about a lot with them, um, people getting sick with this and stuff is the fact that people aren't allowed to see them if they're mm. dying. Um, but I brought this up to my auntie last night because she um, was like a midwife and now she's like an on-call doctor and she's literally been in the midst of all of this like outbreak and stuff. And I said, that, I said that to her and she was like, yeah, but you've got to remember that the people that are dying, they actually don't really want the people around them because their body is, like protecting themselves and they're exhausted we actually it's only for the people that it's only for people like us who want to be there for them that it hurts yeah that's very true actually yeah so it's it's strange isn't it and like I don't know I've, I'm praying that nobody I know that nobody that I know kind of gets the really brunt end of this this virus but I think like what you've said this has brought back a lot of um kind of like negative and intrusive intrusive thoughts for a lot of people in the grief community and like Mm. people are really struggling with it with the idea of like just you know being scared of being scared about their loved ones dying and just kind of like yeah it's hard really hard
1: yeah it is and and the reality is there are going to be a lot of people who are now going to join this club like Mm. and it would be you know before a lot of people's Know time time, yeah that that the boys can be before and it's going to be such a weird version of grieving I think for them Mm. it's you know my say you know being able to say that your parent or parents died in a global pandemic like it's just gonna be such an odd thing for them
0: it's so similar to a war isn't it like so like, like your granddad died in world war Two or something like mm-hmm. this is the closest that we have come to a war so i feel like that is you know it is gonna be so weird for people to have to say that
1: yeah absolutely and but yeah you're right it just brings up so many kind of thoughts that you not you think you've gotten over but that have quietened as you've as the grief's gone on and mm. and you know this is just such an an outrageous situation that we find ourselves in. So it's no wonder that people who've gone through traumatic experiences with grief have suddenly been like,
0: oh, my God, everyone's going to die. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm
1: not going to be too hard on myself for that one.
0: <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I keep I keep just, like, randomly doing an outburst, like, everyone's going to die. <laughs> that's literally just, like, how it feels right now. Even though it's not going to – it's, like, that's absolutely not the case. I'm just, like – it's the end of the world. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. It's really hard not to have that kind of catastrophic um, thinking in these kind of times. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, when you've experienced like something so 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 bad, it's it's realistic to you to think that. Whereas for other people, it's like you know they don't they don't see that pos- they don't see that ending like that's not a possibility for them. They wouldn't allow themselves to think about it. But we've been there, and we've lived it, so like we do. Exactly, and that I've had conversations with my partner about that
1: where I've kind of said to them. Um, they use they them pronouns by the way just in case it sounds like I have more than one partner (laughs) and
0: talk about the one
1: person um so they've I've had to explain to them the kind of importance of me saying goodbye to them if they go away on a job or because they're also a circus performer and um and you know I'll be like but you could I you I you could leave this house and then you could just be gone and they're like I'm not that's not gonna happen I'm like no but honey it could (laughs) yeah I have experience of that happening I've said you know I left the house one day and then the two days later someone I love was gone like it's just yeah yeah, it's it's that strange kind of experiential thing where you're like nope I definitely that could definitely happen and (laughs) they and they know that but they don't know that in the same level that we know that it's a really strange thing
0: well it it kind of reminds me of um that bit in in your show when people say to you like oh I can't imagine like ever ever, what you're going through and it's like actually it's because you don't want to imagine it yeah (laughs) that I think it's like quite a similar experience really to that
1: Mm, absolutely and it's funny because I still I completely understand as much as I make a joke out of it and kind of take the mick out of them like, I, I, I completely understand because I, the thought of losing my mum, because my mum is the parent I was, I've always been closest to, feels like when I start to imagine that, I'm like, nope, nope. Oh, no, <laughs> nope. no, 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 thank you. Not today, <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I get it from other people's points of view, but you 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 could imagine it it's just that your brain wants to protect you from it which is Mm. totally understandable
0: yeah totally fair yeah not everybody needs to experience such a (laughs) existential crisis
1: (laughs) (laughs) otherwise they'd all be writing shows and then I'd have so much competition and
0: (laughs) so much competition (laughs) I mean the podcast community is already quite crowded as it is so yeah
1: (laughs) like no 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 this is my corner now (laughs) (laughs) um
0: so kind of going back to your story then what was that like for you when you kind of finally had this space to grieve because obviously with all that going on you kind of don't really sit and you don't sit with your grief at all do you when you're kind of that busy and that consumed in kind of passing what you need to pass so Mm -hmm. what was that that summer must have been really really difficult to go through
1: Yes, it was. It wasn't until so I finished the degree in June, as I say, and then it wasn't until the kind of August time that it really hit, and then I was immediately like, "Get me the antidepressants! I can't go on." <laughs> but, so I've had like history of mental health uh, issues for all of my life, so I knew that um, going on antidepressants would be good for my brain. Um, yeah. So I, you know, spoke to the doctors about it and, and got that sorted. But it wasn't until then really that everything started to slowly sink in and when a death happens as well there's this what you don't anticipate is that it's going to make you reflect on your life and everything that's ever happened to you up until that point Mm -hmm. in a completely different way um so I then spent a lot of time reflecting on my own relationship with my dad and what was and what will never be and it was it was very consuming, you know, oh. and, um, and, and luckily, you know, there are people who have explained, um, experienced far more delayed grief than I did. Um, but yeah, it seems to be that the, the more you delay it, the more intense it can potentially get But um, yeah. So it was, it, it really just consumed me for a while. Um, and then once the, once I started writing the show, so I—I I don't know if I actually mentioned that I wrote a show. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, we should probably go into that actually.
1: <laughs> so basically, um, I—I'll just go on a little tangent quickly. Um, so in the degree that I did um, in the second year, you can do—you um, do a few modules that you choose between what you want to look at. So there's um, stand-up and clowning. There's burlesque and grotesque um and there's oh what's the other one? live art and narrative theater and um I always wanted to try stand-up though I didn't realize it until I was given the option I was like oh actually that would be fun um but what I did do was clown instead because I was like clowning would be such a challenge for me and I need to I think that would be really helpful um part of this degree is all very much like fail 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 again see how you feel about failing fail. right. <laughs> so I was like okay I'm gonna go and and I did fail miserably at clowning uh, because it's so much about being in the moment and being present and reacting and and um and I am not that person. I am very much like, I will plan ten steps ahead and I will do this. And yeah. So stand-up for me is fantastic because all I have to do is pretend that I'm in the moment. But actually I've written that joke a year before.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Yeah, it's it's like all very scheduled, isn't it? Like
1: Absolutely. And the people that do it the best and people that you I think you can't tell how much yeah. they've they've kind of pre-done as it were um so i started doing a bit of stand-ups comedy um in my third year um and then i was talking about being a queer woman sex uh uh but ha- having the coil inserted, like all very much like yeah. um base level stuff i would say um, relatable yes yes definitely and um and then I was due to do a show or do a five minute set rather in a cabaret run by some friends of mine. Um, and then, then dad died. So.
0: the And then
1: dad died. Yeah. It's just like, it's so weird that that becomes then just like a milestone in my life. And then dad died. Um, and, um, and the thought of going on stage and talking about sex and, stuff and you know just like kind of stuff uh, i just like i couldn't do it and yeah. what happened was i started noticing all the weirdly funny stuff that kept happening after dad died so it was i think it pretty much exactly 3 weeks after dad passed that this cabaret happened and i went up to my friends who were organizing it and i was like do you mind if i do a set about my dad and thank god they said yes because otherwise this would have been a completely different journey but they were you know so accepting and were like absolutely go for it and the people in the audience were mainly people that I was friends with anyway so it was a really accepting um audience and a really safe place to do it and um so I did this five minute set about how the fact that I had started smoking again to cope with my dad's death but I knew that he'd be mortified and I was like, oh, he'll be spinning in his grave. But at that point he hadn't been, mm. they, nothing had happened to him. He was just be in a morgue drawer somewhere. And I was just like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> the poor morgue assistant is going to be like, what the hell is going on? And just, it was just stuff like that, that I was using. I had to be careful that I wasn't using it as a defense mechanism, but it was definitely a, felt uh-huh. like a survival mechanism to be like, Oh, this really traumatic things happened, and now these I need to now turn that into a joke so that I can process it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did this five minute set and it went down really, really well. Everyone was super supportive and lovely about it, and then and then the jokes didn't really stop, and I just continued to write and write and write, and suddenly I had an hour's worth of material, and I was like, well, no one else is going to book this show, so I'm going to put on this show. So so I hired out the same venue that the cabaret was at and I um, invited lots of people and it was a free show and I just was like, come along and listen to me wax lyrical about being in the dead parent club. I love it. And, yeah, it went just so much better than I could have hoped and... Mm -hmm. Since then I've been trying to write more material and refine it and also be aware of the mental health effects on me yeah. from performing that and um, yeah so actually the show has been a huge part of getting me through this experience.
0: Yeah I mean I bet and the amazing thing is is that like grief is such a taboo subject isn't it like people just don't want to talk about it it makes me feel uncomfortable so like you doing this just opens a space for them to laugh about it and not feel guilty about laughing about something to do with somebody's dad dying which is something that people just couldn't comprehend probably before that
1: yeah I have to be <laughs> what I've been learning as I've been doing it is that so in the show setting I better be gently guide people into talking about, I talk mm-hmm. about my own Mortality at the start and make a big joke out of it, and then so that when I then say, "Oh yeah," and then my dad died, it people are already kind of on board and they know it's a safe space to laugh. But yeah, uh, once I start, and I still quite enjoy it. uh, Once I start doing like ten minute sets about it, you don't have that time to prep the audience, and then they're suddenly like, "Oh my god, what am I watching?" Just (laughs) like I performed it. there was a comedy night recently who um at a theater uh, near me that I love and um, it's called the wardrobe theater and it's like this amazing queer inclusive space and it's yeah it's fantastic and um I was like yes I get to do a gig there that's so exciting and um and then who I was doing the gig to was like mainly people who would just come for like a night out to forget about their troubles. And um, (laughs) it's like, blokes on their, like, work night out. And I was suddenly like, ooh. (laughs) So it was a very, very quiet gig, I can tell you now. (laughs) I was like, like, there's that punchline. It's just gone right on back. Um, But actually, it was a, a really freeing experience as much as I was, like, I know who my audience is now and yeah. I don't I don't care if I don't make four men on a work night out from their like technology business laugh like that's not who I want to engage with With this I want to engage with other people that have lost someone who have gone through something absolutely horrendous yes. so that we can all laugh about it together
0: yeah exactly and um, it's a similar kind of situation to when me and Sam set up this podcast we try to figure out what to name it and obviously like when you see the Dead Parent Club, people that aren't in it and like, oh God, that's like brutal. Like, mm. oh how can you call it that? But then people that are in it are like, I love the name of this, like I'm included.
1: <laughs> it's so, so true. And when I was um before I did the show, I was very lucky to um connect with a grief group called Let's Talk About Loss, mm. um, who do um meetups all over the UK, which is quite hard currently because we're on in quarantine, but I would definitely yeah. recommend other people check it out. Um, but uh, every time I meet up with them, it's just the irreverence is rife. We're just all like, actually, we're not talking about the dead dad club at the moment. We're talking about dead mum club. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you get people who have just arrived and they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is quite intense. Um, and I'll just be like, so who died?
0: <laughs> and uh, I mean, Literally, but it's so nice being able to ask that question without any sort of fear of somebody getting you know offended by it
1: mm, absolutely and um yeah so kind of connecting with other people who have this knowledge have this experience and we all all of our sense of humors just go way darker as soon as you experience mm. death it's just like sense of humor goes down down into the dark <laughs> And it, oh, that's where all the good stuff is. Like, I'm like, yeah. yes, <laughs> I'm so glad this is where I ended up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad he died. Yeah.
1: You know, if one thing, good things come out of it, I've got funnier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so true.
1: It's funny, actually. My dad, um, I'm in a strange place with my grief at the moment because I'm in therapy talking about how, me and my dad didn't have the greatest relationship when he was alive, mm. and it's not that it was a bad one. It was that my dad felt more like a mum assistant than my dad, and he, God bless him, like he was such such an intelligent man, but the common sense was just absolutely <laughs> zero,
0: <Man. and> lacking,
1: <laughs> hugely lacking, just non-existent, and um, and it meant that. I don't, I don't know how he felt about being a, a dad, really. I'm sure uh, he loved us. He loved, don't get me wrong, he loved, he was so proud of us as a family. Mm. But I don't think he knew how to interact with these humans that he'd created.
0: Yeah, and, I, can, um, I can resonate uh, with that.
1: Yeah. And uh, so, on, oh, yeah, what was I banging on about? Oh. <laughs> so, so, so now I've, like, um yes, addressing these kind of things of knowing my dad now more now that he's dead. Mm. And it it's a really strange position position to be in. Strange is my word of the day apparently. Um where I'm just like I understand him so much more now and I love him so much more now. And or oh, I'm more aware of that love that I had for him rather. And but it doesn't matter because he's gone. Like it's yeah. just, it's, it's, yeah. Shit. Yeah, it's really shit. <laughs> um, and it's an interesting thing. I think I want to talk more about in my show about the shame that comes with that. There's a lot of shame that I yeah. feel where yeah. he, by the time, you know, I was 26, I was like, this fucking guy. Like, I was just like, I was so done with it but actually what was happening was there was a very small child in me that wanted their dad
0: and yeah I and got that.
1: yeah and um and then so even like towards you know what I didn't know at that time was the end of his life I was like I was quite cold with him and yeah. and that is a massive thing to it haunts you doesn't it absolutely it really does that's a that's the exact word and yeah and the shame you feel about it and I think from going on stage and talking about that kind of stuff it is as I say freeing but I also have to be super careful about my mental health so like the first time I performed the show um I just had an emotional hangover for a week I couldn't yeah. get out of bed I was just so drained from it
0: yeah I was going to ask you actually whether you kind of really felt like you know, emotionally drained at the end of it because mm. It's definitely expected
1: yeah and it's like I'm doing something Like I can understand that other people out there are gonna be like what do you mean you made a show about your dad dying like what do you mean you made a comedy show <laughs> <laughs> and I I even still have that where I'm like H- have I done the right thing here would mm. he be okay with it oh that's where I was going with my big long tangent where I was thinking about how actually my dad had a really dark yeah. humor as well how,
0: how do you think he'd feel about it
1: I, I think the part of me that this part of me that's really comforted by the fact the fact I think he'd be making the same jokes yeah yeah and he he lost his um mum and dad when he was relatively young he was in his 30s and they were in their early 60s um and he he also had that weird dark sense of humor but I didn't get it because I hadn't experienced anything like that um mm. so there are jokes now that i make that i'm like dad definitely would have made that joke and it's really <laughs> nice to have that connection um with him but i there's also times when i'm like would he be okay with this i really hope he'd be okay yeah, with this
0: i feel that i i also have the same thoughts about obviously this podcast like i've created this like you know quite like relatively large platform literally from the death of my (laughs) mum and I'm just like you do kind of wonder like would they how would they feel comfortable with it like what would they think about it would they be like supporting you like yeah this is great like you do that like from what has happened or would they you know I wonder like would she be offended at some of the things Mm. I say I use humour quite a lot to kind of you know it's like a coping mechanism and stuff and sometimes I think oh god my mum would probably really hear that joke (laughs) 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 <laughs> but it's one of them like you kind of have to do what's right for you because you're the one that's alive right now so, yeah like, and you're, you're the one that needs to not just survive but also thrive so you know it's hard mm. I um.
1: I talk about it in the show but I uh the I had a an incident with a medium who uh who I was doing some material about dad passing away when I was on stage and it was a a um new comedy night so you had lots of people going up on stage and doing their bits and um and a medium who was attempting her or doing her first attempts of stand-up comedy um was there and um and she <laughs> I mean first of all she called across to me at the back of the room having me just done my set and being like um Alexis I was like that's not my name um no. <laughs> it's like strike is one any... yeah <laughs> She's like, is there anything you'd like to ask your dad and I was like why have you got my name wrong dad (laughs) and um yeah so she was she was trying to tell me that he was there and she had this connection that's really distasteful it it was wildly distasteful and then she did her set and at the end she was like oh and alexis your dad says he thinks you're awesome and he's really proud that this is what you're doing and i was just and you know like when you get catcalled in the street or something and you're you just you're so taken aback that you don't know how to react and you're just like uh, uh, uh. like it was I was so such a weird thing for her to say and yeah. then afterwards I was like I'm so glad I didn't get angry at that moment because I would have thrown down <laughs> <laughs> but I've been like you're a fucking liar um, <laughs> but yeah I was like I don't know if he like he was proud of me for everything I did, and it, again, it's one of those things that I've realised more after he's died that that was the case. But I don't know, he was proud of me, but also, how would he know that she was at this comedy venue that I was going to be at, and that you know, is he just following <laughs> me around at my it's shows? Just, it's That's really up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he hated Americanism, so he would never say awesome. So you're wrong with that as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I, a part of me is like, he would love this. And part of me is like, God, I hope he'd love this because yeah. if he didn't, then. But then it's interesting because I have gotten some of my, so my dad was cremated and I've gotten some of his ashes made into tattoo ink and I'm going to get it. T- oh, cool. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to get it tattooed, hopefully, provided we're all out of quarantine, um, in September. And oh, I love that. see, I love that too, but my dad hated tattoos <laughs> <laughs> and he really did not like the fact that I got them. Um, he would never stop me, but he it was he, I think it stemmed from his dad had gotten a tattoo when he was in the army, I think, and mm. then he would regretted it that my granddad regretted it ever since so my dad's experience with tattoos is you get them and then you regret them
0: yeah
1: and I but I was like, nah, whatever, and I just I now have x amount of tattoos, I don't know, and um, and yes, and I was talking to my therapist about, it and she was like, maybe it's like a little bit of like rebellion in you, like a little bit of teenage being like, well, you know what, Dad, you wouldn't like it, so I'm gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah and it's like well you're dead so you can't do anything about it so. yeah literally i'm like
1: well what you what'd you say dad oh no was that nothing okay cool never mind <laughs> i'm gonna go do it um
0: no i like i like that idea i heard you obviously on your show you talked about um getting ashes made into jewelry and stuff um, um which really made me laugh because my dad got me like a, lo- a little necklace and stuff with mine but the thing is, is that i'm actually too scared to wear it in case i lose it so oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah, I bet it's difficult um but maybe I so much when you talk about like the body part that it, it would be made out of. Like, <laughs> this is a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> I you, do, you just don't know, do
1: you? Yeah, you don't. I um, I had to um extract the ashes so I could get them sent away, and um, it was a, like they're still living on my mum's bedroom floor. Like, oh, they, we just do not know what to do with him because, like you say, a bit like with the that, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose this piece of jewelry that's so important. Like the the spreading of the ashes, there's so much pressure to do the right thing with
0: it. Yeah, yeah, um, I got
1: that. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that
0: prioritize
1: safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial day sale at burrow.com slash a That's burrow.com slash a cast burrow.com slash a And
1: so they haven't moved because we're just t- too scared to do anything. Um, and, uh, so then I I opened up these ashes and I was having this like real moment with this. I was like, I never seen Emily. No, Uh, there's a moment she puts her hand in like a bag of grains and it's supposed to be like this, like, Ooh, look how satisfying that is. And I tried to do it, but it's just like, I was like, no hands. (laughs) No. Um, So I was having this really like emotional moment with like being able to there was something about being able to hold the ashes and like being like a physical contact tangible thing. And I was like, oh this is weird. This is little bits of like metal in here. Um and and I was like I'd I'd read about um when you first see ashes before and they were saying that sometimes there's not it's not um all burn and like be careful, like be aware that it might look different to how you think it's gonna look and etc yeah. etc et and so I was I wasn't that phased by it. And then I was like, oh, there's another one here. I was picking them out. Um, and then I got, I, it's a bit, I feel bad for my dad. It's not very dignified. The way that they get you to send the tattoo ashes is like in those little um, tubes that you would do a pee in if you're trying to Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's like okay. tests that you got a urine infection or but your dad of it. Um, <laughs> and so I, I scooped that up and did that. And I also had to like, be like they were like put a two two tablespoons worth in and I went downstairs and I opened up my kitchen drawer and I was like well, what what spoon am I? I can't use a stoop I can't use a spoon that's <laughs> then gonna go in the dishwasher that I'm then gonna just eat so weird. <laughs> and so my, weird. ended up just putting the tube in and scooping it up. Anyway, sorted that all out. And then I went back into my room with um the little pieces of metal and I looked at them and I was like oh my god they're nails I was like they're the nails of the coffin um, that just haven't burned, and that you oh, could God. see the little head on them. And I was like, Whoa, that's so weird. And I was like, I bet that would fit through my ear. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just, I could just see myself from an outsider point of view, just getting this nail and then just putting it through my ear. And I was like, Oh, it does fit. You can actually wear it like an earring. <laughs> and my partner and best friend were like, Maybe. Don't do that. Maybe just put it in like some kind of special keepsake. <laughs> Be like, what an interesting. You've got on legs. Like, oh yeah, it's actually the nails from my dad's coffin. Like, that's the kind of shit that I would love, but lots of other people are being quite uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> so weird.
1: I know. You after death, you're just not the same person anymore. Oh
0: no, I completely agree with that. Completely. Yeah.
1: I remember watching, um, I can't even remember who it was, but it was someone on one of those, like, Who Do You Think You Are programmes, and they were talking about their family history, and she, she talked about how she'd lost her mum 12 years ago, and um, she was saying that she was not the same person anymore and she would never be the same. And I remember this was before dad died. And I remember being like, whoa, all right, that seems like
0: that's intense.
1: That's quite intense. Like maybe you should get some counselling to help that and whatever. And now obviously post dad dying, I'm like, oh, absolutely, you can never be the same person ever again. And yeah, it's funny, it's that the knowledge that you have once you've gone out the other side of experiencing that is Mm. so
0: unique. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. And that's kind of like the power of been able to support other people when they've gone through something similar because you don't know that kind of stuff before it happens like you've got mm-hmm. you've got no idea what to expect um were you with your partner before your dad died or we, was that afterwards
1: we had only just gotten together um
0: mm-hmm.
1: when but like maybe we are seeing each other for like a month or a so, um,
0: couple of months before that <laughs> so away. They, they didn't have too many pre- Pre expectations of you then <laughs>
1: <laughs> well the lucky for the lucky for me is that me and my partner were really close friends so they went to that they were on the same university course as me um okay we'd known each other for like three years and we've become really really close friends and then we were like oh no wait we're in love with each other okay cool um <laughs> and um, <laughs> they are one of the most emotionally intelligent and Amazing people I've ever met. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: after everything happened with Dad, I, I, I could not have coped without them. They were just so no. wonderful. And you know, not not many people probably get into a relationship and then suddenly their partner's dad dies, and they have to yeah. <laughs> they have to suddenly be like,
0: oh, okay. just like navigate that whole thing. Like, oh, yeah.
1: So they very much encouraged the kind of new normal for me. And have encouraged me to grieve, and have been really active in supporting me with that. I feel extremely lucky um, with that. Uh, but yeah, so we had known each other before. Um, I wonder what they would say would be the main difference. It'd be interesting to see <laughs> your yeah. sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> the way you're always talking about your dead dad now—like you <laughs> didn't do that before. <laughs> um I was just thinking about the the quarantine thing again and being with your family or being with the person that um that is going through that when they're in hospital and my I wasn't there when dad had the stroke but um all of our family were there as he was dying and god it was such a a privilege and such a a a weirdly beautiful uh, moment I'm so glad that that's I got to experience that and I know mm. some people for some people they're like god I'm so glad I was not in the room when it happened and that's totally fine yeah. um but for me being able to be with him and it was weirdly peaceful and you know it's me my mom my three brothers and my dad's sister who is like his remaining immediate family from when he was growing up um and yeah it was such a it was such a profound moment um I'm not really sure why I brought it up I just was just like I just need to talk about that uh, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah no I, you know I, I got that I was um I was with my mum as well but the kind of whole family were and um I feel like a part of me is like yes it was peaceful but another part of me is like, it was the most chaotic, turbulent, like when she actually like, died, it's like the most like, that whole, I can't even describe it, it's like everything just like kind of like crashed into one and all all I can picture in my head is me like wailing. Yeah. <laughs> That's like my biggest, <laughs> my biggest memory of it was just being like, <gasps> like when it finally happened. So it's strange, isn't it? Like the, like everybody's experiences are just so so profound around mm. that time, whether you were with them or not. I think getting that phone call or anything, it's just such a profound moment.
1: Yeah, and I felt for a long time I was really upset that I wasn't there when it happened. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't have done anything. I, I mean, it was so quick that it all kind of spiralled. Um, and, you know, I, but all I had was the story from my mum's point of view of what happened and how my dad knew he was having a stroke he was he told my mum that that's what was happening and um which is also like just like can you imagine knowing you're having a stroke and then knowing it's just so bad and then like by the time he by the time he got into the ambulance like luckily the ambulance came quite quickly and everything like he couldn't talk anymore Um, and he was just staring intently at my mum and Mm -hmm. my brothers who were, cause my two brothers were there at the time. And, um, so yeah, it's kind of like, I'm not sure, like they have to live with the trauma of those moments for the rest of their lives. So it's not that I'm jealous, but it's more that I'm like, I also wished I'd been there, But but actually maybe for my own sake, it was that it wasn't it's it's such a strange you
0: can't you can't really win can you in those situations I mean you you will never you will never know I think that's one of the hardest things to deal with as well is the fact that you will never know the how you would feel if it had been a different situation but yeah absolutely we take what we're given don't we (laughs) yeah that's all we can do (laughs) (laughs) what do
1: I do with this oh just put some funny stuff in it and then (laughs) shove it out try and
0: make it a bit better yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> there's um I was uh, long before I was doing all of this and everything had happened I was doing a a essay when I was at uni about clowning um and the importance of clowning and all this kind of stuff and um I remember reading um an extract from a book that's called it kept us alive humor in the holocaust mm. and um I remember being like, that sounds like a wild book.
0: Um, <laughs> that sounds like a bit of me. <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, at this point, I had no idea how much that, that the, what, the quote I read was going to be important to me. But um, one of the quotes in it is, um, like, humour is the inner command to survive. And I remember reading that and being like, whoa, that's amazing. Like, coming from the Holocaust survivors, I was just like, that's just absolutely amazing and then then I start once dad had died and I started writing the show and I was like yeah it kind of is like Um, and you know you have to be careful that making jokes and things aren't isn't just a defense mechanism or that you're actually addressing the things that you're joking about which is you know a, a bit of a weird balance um but I think the reason that people end up having such wild sense of humor is is because they're just that it's literally just a trying to survive yeah yeah so Um, true
0: it's survival definitely
1: yeah and then if you can find other people that are going through that and understand that why you're making that joke or why you're being so goddamn blunt about you know whatever it is to do with death um Mm. it just makes it the whole thing so much easier to survive
0: yeah I 100% agree definitely do, so from your point of view do you do you would you see your shows as a kind of therapy and obviously you joke about it but like do you or is it now more of a you have like a you know what to expect in that hour and you get that out and then you have the emotional hangover afterwards
1: I think I think it is more like the latter but no hmm.
0: it's difficult isn't it
1: yeah I think no matter even if I try to have it not be therapy as it were it might always end up being a little bit like that um in just the way that every time I say the jokes or do the jokes I think a different thing about them or something else will come up from them Mm. or and for example the the joke I told about the story about the medium um and I on stage the joke I'm talking about I'm like he would never say he was proud of me that's how I know she's a liar yeah um, and um and then someone one of my friend's mums was like oh no he he would be so proud of you like even if he wouldn't say it and it really I was like Ugh. I was like mm. no he did say it I just wasn't listening and yeah. it's it's a strange thing once you've do, done something on stage and people come up to you and talk about it because when you're on stage, there's, like, this safety. There's, like, you're the audience over there. I'm the person up here doing this. Like, they all do. You don't
0: ask me questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: The audience have the power, but they don't know they have the power. So they think I have it. So I'm like, as long as I just keep making you think that I have the power, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but then they – you you. Spill your guts on stage, as it were, and then people come up to you afterwards who don't know you but feel like they do know you and talk to you about it. And that's one of the hardest things for me, I think. And there's mm. some really beautiful things that come out of it because people end up coming up to me being like, Oh, my mum passed away, and my dad passed away, and then we have a talk about it. And there's a real shared experience there, which is great. But sometimes you're just not prepared for someone to say the words that you've said back at you and be like, Oh God! Oh no, that hurts. What does somebody else's, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. It was that that part of my show now. Where I'm talking about the medium. I now have. I'm. I think I might have to change it because I'm like, it's not that he wouldn't say that he was proud of me. He just he was just wasn't a very demonstrative person, and that's mm. okay. But he would say it. I was just by that point. I was just so like, whatever.
0: That yeah. Well, you're under pressure as well to make people laugh so yeah you can't know, you, you kind of have to exploit some of the things that perhaps wouldn't have happened to you know it's, it's it's all truthful but it's you have to exaggerate don't you I think and that's what a lot of comedians do
1: yeah absolutely and it's a strange kind of line to walk where you're like well actually this isn't technically how I feel about this in real life mm. but this is funny funny down <laughs> this way um, yeah and that's when you know that's when you get into weird territory with people who come on stage and say either really misogynistic or racist things. And they're like, "Oh, but I don't really think that it's just because it's funny for the joke. And you're like, well, no, that's not really, that's not okay. Um, So it's, it's a having to make sure you're not blurring those lines too much Mm. for your own
0: sake, as much as anyone
1: else that's, that's watching. Um, Yeah.
0: I mean, the reason I ask that is because obviously, um, hosting this podcast I talk about death and grief and stuff like a lot Mm. and a lot of people say to me like oh you know it must be really nice for you must be like a kind of therapy and blah 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 but actually I've had to learn to disconnect myself from doing the podcast and then have a separate space for my for when I want to acknowledge my grief Mm. because otherwise it would just be like emotional torment like torment every single time I was recording a podcast with somebody and it wouldn't be fair on myself or on the person I'm talking to. So, That's very true, yeah. I obviously have to. I, can, I obviously empathise with the people I'm speaking to, and I can discuss my story and stuff. But I don't let it get to a like a really like deep emotional level with me. And instead, outside of the podcast, there'll be really small things that trigger me and make me mm. cry. Um. So even though I talk about the big stuff all the time, people are like, oh, you must, you, know, you must really help you cope with it. You know, talk about all this big stuff, and I'm like, actually. That isn't me dealing with my grief. <laughs> it's like it's so it's so away from this podcast. So yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of talk to somebody else who obviously uses a platform to speak about their experience and regularly talks about the same things. But mm. um, yeah, that that emotional hangover is real, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. And what? sometimes you just need to not not do anything that's going to. You don't want to talk about it sometimes.
1: Mm. I'm like. Mm, yeah I can see that but I'm also like now and talk about it all the time yes. <laughs> but um what is it like how do you kind of separate the the podcast and and you're grieving if you don't mind me asking like what is it for you that you would go to do to grieve or
0: um I, for me I will go on a walk without my phone I'll go to where we spread my mum's ashes, and just like I sing songs there. Um, I'll just kind of try and sit quietly and kind of let and let those feelings happen. Because um, life is so busy, isn't it? You just kind of don't really have the time to just sit and feel. Um, I don't know. It's hard, really. I think I think it's just become normal for me to just not get too emotional when I'm recording with people. And then to just kind of take that time out separately. Mm. <laughs> but then, obviously, sometimes it's a bit overwhelming for me and I have to take time out from doing the podcast. And yeah. you know, there are, like, gaps where I won't record for, like, three weeks. And it's just because I need to protect my own sanity gotcha. at the same time. So, yeah, it's it's interesting.
1: It's – what I find is that I you can – yeah, like you were saying about detaching, like, sometimes – I'll tell stories about things that happened with Dad and what happened with the grieving process, and that's they've just become like stories that I mm. say, and they're and you do become quite detached from it, um, which allows you to be able, to be able to go say them over and over again, or for you talk to people over and over again about grief and and death and things, and yeah, you ha- have to kind of take a step back. But it's it's funny, I totally agree with your. You know, it's the little things that will then trigger you. Like I can yeah. go on stage and talk about um, what, you know, this is what happened when my dad died and this is what happened at the funeral and this is this.
0: But, Which are the big things people mm, think.
1: Yeah, like- absolutely. But what makes me, I <laughs> so I went to um, uh, this like with circuses uh, kind of aerial festivals that you can go to so I went to one in Ireland last year I used some of the money that I'd got as inheritance and I was like Fair. thanks dad yeah <laughs> cheers dad <laughs> thanks for the car and the laptop and now this <laughs> um <laughs> makes it sound like it was a wild amount of money it was definitely <laughs> um but uh oh that's
0: another thing inheritance envy have you ever had that <laughs> Well, I did. I didn't get a penny, so oh. I have like I have serious inheritance, in <laughs> and I, I, I am I am not ashamed to say it. Yeah, a friend
1: of mine—they've got an, enough um, inheritance that they bought a house, and I was like, oh, oh what?
0: <laughs> it is so true. Yeah. It is so true.
1: <laughs> um, anyway, so I went to Ireland and I went to do this aerial dance festival. I was like. The pressure you have to spend that money on something good um mm. and I was like well an experience is always going to be a really good way to spend the money because I'll have the memories from it and the learning and all those kind of things and I was in the airport when I was coming back I think I can't remember what airport it was like a little Irish airport and um I was like oh god I'm so hungry and I went and got some food and some of the food was some like uh, Irish soda bread and the taste of it reminded me so much of my dad because we used to like secretly be always trying to eat the like whatever soda bread or wheaten bread was in our cupboards <laughs> and like trying to like be like, oh no, what dad's got the oh, he's got the last slice, damn it. Um, <laughs> and this taste got it, I just cried immediately. I was just like, oh, yes. it was, it's those tiny things that kind of catch you off guard mm-hmm. that are so much more triggering than me being like oh yeah and then at the funeral this happened or then yeah
0: you know, yeah or- I feel that yeah it's it's the stories you're telling a story rather than
1: mm. kind of
0: living living like an experience when something happens that reminds you of them yeah I totally resonate with that 100% mm. um so obviously I've nearly an hour that's crazy um <laughs> I'm just gonna finish, if you don't mind, just asking you our last two kind of hero question-y type things. Um, which is um, do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it? I I think
1: it, it can't help but do that. I um for a while there's that thing of like, Oh, August's well, dies going to die. So what's the point of doing anything? <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, there's that that you kind of have to contend with. It's like where everything feels just a bit pointless and a bit like, what um, you know, and I, I remember dad had only just retired, um, when he passed away and he'd done, it was, he'd only been retired for like two years or something. And, um, so he'd worked pretty much all of his life up until that point. And I was just like, God, it's such a testament to liking your job because you might, li- you know, you're doing that job all of the time and then you might finish that job and then you die. Like it's it's such a – I was like, thank God he was doing something that he actually enjoyed when he was using that time. And it it just makes you – I guess it's making me question how I use my time and what I use my time for. And um, yeah. And that, uh, and goodbyes are really hard now, as I was saying, like, Mm. I have to really kind of stop myself from spiraling into this. Oh God, what if I never see them again? Um, Type thing. And, and, and as I was saying before, photographs have become really important to me and taking photos of, the people that I love and yeah it's I've, I've become more compassionate and more understanding especially of my dad which really but this, this the heartbreaking thing is he had to die for me to understand him like this like mm. we could have potentially worked on our relationship a bit um and as I say there was no animosity between us there was just a big disconnect that we hadn't figured out how to to work on yet
0: and I always thought
1: yeah I always thought I'd have years to to sort that when I became you know a bit older and a bit more adult as it were and you know I always thought I'd have that and then that got snatched away um but I don't think I could have ever understood him and and had these feelings of such affection for him if he was still here the sad thing is if he was still here I'd probably still be like what's he doing now
0: yeah <laughs> um classic dad yeah
1: classic dad what's he doing? oh he's got another stain on his shirt because he can't eat food without just getting it everywhere else <laughs> <I'm like. laughs> um uh yeah it's a. Uh, yeah it's 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 made me question so many things um but also lots of lots of good stuff's come out of it in terms of how I interact with people and how I feel about things and yeah yeah it it can't it's because technically apparently so my therapist says um because of the way that it happened it would be counted as trauma so technically it was a PTSD yeah technically it was a traumatic event because of the the speed and the the nature and the the the, the um, enormity of what happened. Mm. Um, so it's a I then have to you know, process all of it as trauma, and that will be just such an ongoing thing. <laughs> that's really. life now. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's my life. <laughs> that is my life. <laughs> Processing trauma and making jokes about it. <laughs>
0: um I the final question is what would you say to other people that have experienced something similar to you
1: um I would say go find out more about let's talk about loss um Uh. it's uh I remember when I say like oh I met up with my grief group or whatever people tend to think it's us all in like a church hall or something just going around being like Yes, I've Yeah, <laughs> like talking about
0: it. Yeah,
1: um, like dead parents anonymous or something. Um, <laughs> but really, what happens is we go have a picnic, and or we go bowling, or they they went. Oh, I was so gutted. They went and made pottery one time, and I was like, I'm so jealous. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, you just meet so many people that you just it's that like I was saying at the start that kind of like, oh, they know exactly what we're going through so there's an acceptance there um and therapy I think everyone should get therapy nobody's getting therapy now yeah. <laughs> obviously that's a very privileged position to come from um especially now uh with uh, everything you know NHS under so much strain and everything like that yeah, but, yeah. um I, I don't know I don't know that I have anything um profound or wise to suggest about it it's just kind of like just try and cope
0: yeah
1: so that's, that's all you can really do and anything go, go
0: back to basics ma'am
1: 100% yeah and just and find those little bits of joy and find those little bits of being able to connect with the person that you love and that you've lost yeah. and you know talk about them it even doesn't matter if no one's brought them up, just talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> like we were saying, you so, just wait until they, to bring them up. So you'd be like, oh yeah, and then they said, and they said yeah, yeah. Um, but you can actually just be like, oh, I'm going to talk about this now. I'm taking the space to talk about this because I need to. Um, and oh, what else was I going to say? Probably nothing important, but <laughs> 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 um, all I was going to say about... Um, your, so you were saying about your mum being cremated and that uh, you can go to where her ashes are spread. Um, I know I kind of joke about, God, we don't want, don't know what to do with Dad, but it's, I
0: definitely... Do you just
1: go to your mum's you, you <laughs> bedroom floor? <laughs> just sit down and be like, all right, Dad. <laughs> um, I, I am really keen to actually do something with the ashes because there is something so... Um, uh, necessary I think about being able to go somewhere to be with them like there's of course you know the fact that I dad is I'm dad's flesh and blood and I, ha- I have all of those experiences in life with him that I carry around with me everywhere like that will never go away but the actual physical act of being able to walk or drive and go be somewhere like mm-hmm. that's something I think is actually very important especially yeah. I'm the kind of person that like everywhere that I am has its, its purpose. Like I'm really struck as much as I'm like, Mm -hmm, as as much as I'm like, yeah, I'm a circus performer. Like the the thought of working out at home just fills me with dread. I'm like, no, I need to go to a training space. I need to go to a gym. Like I have to very much get into a mindset somewhere and then go to it. um, Rather than, just having, just being in the same place. So mm. I ended up one day going to the the cemetery. I'm like, Dad's not here. Like, there's nothing. Um, but I was just like, I need somewhere to go. Yeah, but, a
0: space.
1: Yeah. yeah, and um I think as much as you can do that. You know, there's obviously some people. You know, will have parents that are buried somewhere, and they're not. Mm. That's not remotely near them. Or but a space to go and just be yeah. yourself and just be just ugly cry or just stare at the same point for an hour or just I don't know whatever it is that you need to do just be like there's something I don't know if you found the same but when dad first passed away there is a freedom that comes with that that I was like I don't have to stop for anyone on the street that talks to me. I don't have to, like, I don't owe anyone anything. There's like, yeah. it's almost like confidence that walks around with you and it's like, yeah, you can try and talk to me? No, my dad's dead. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and I think it's helpful to kind of keep some of that in you just to be Take like... Take time just for yourself. Yeah, and to be like, no, actually, I don't owe anyone anything. I can go and do this and, you know. And, again, these are all things that, if we weren't in lockdown for coronavirus would Would be much more um so I guess for now it's trying to find those little places that you can be with them wherever you're allowed to go within the radius of your house (laughs) Mm. or um yeah or like listening to music or yeah just just
0: something that makes you feel a little bit close to them um I was like mm. what I thought about because like obviously Mother's Day recently I was yes, like, you know, make yeah. that make their, their favourite meal mm. or listen to one of their favourite songs or look at some photos or like just do something that you feel some kind of connection with them when you do it. Um I think we put a lot of our pre- a lot of pressure on ourselves to kind of do something profound on mm. days like that that's like to like honour them. But I think just anything small um definitely helps. Yeah. Helps you cope. Oh, one thing I
1: would say as well is the anxiety leading up to an anniversary or a Mother's Day or a Father's Day tends to be a lot worse than the actual so day. So much
0: worse. Yeah, preach it. Um,
1: I remember like the the weeks coming up to the first year anniversary or the weeks coming up to Father's Day and things like that. It just, you have so much dread in you and then the day happens and it's like, oh, it's actually oh. just another day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, and New Year's Eve I found as well, New Year's Eve, because yes. it's, it's the turning of a new, it's like, wait, I've got to do a whole nother year without them, without like, them. for God's sake. Um, so my New Year's this year was awful, because I was just like, oh my God.
0: Up the a, world, I'm getting yeah.
1: up. <laughs> it's such a tangible, like, now time has changed, and this is, we're moving mm-hmm. forward, and you know, it's like, yeah, well, it's nearly been two years, but also it might as well have been yesterday. It's... Yeah,
0: but, but people say so the, new, the new year is like a new leaf, you know, like mm. do a new life. And it's like, actually, I quite like my old life with, <laughs> like, when, my parent, when my parent was alive. So <laughs> Exactly.
1: Um, so, yeah, I think actually that's probably the main thing. It's just be like, feel the dread. It's okay. But mm. don't, you know, it will be a little no bit pass. easier than you think. Yeah. 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 And these things um, just get a tiny bit easier over time.
0: Well, thank you so much, Alexa, for your time. This yeah. lovely isol- isolation Saturday morning. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I really I really appreciate it.
1: No, it's um it's my pleasure and thank you so much for having me on and also for doing this. Like I really like uh, when we was talking about let's talk about loss, um Beth who runs it, I'm just like, What an amazingly productive thing to do with your grief. And it's the same for you and Sam. I'm just like, Wow, you actually use that groove to make something to help other people that are going through it I'm just
0: like same same for you, same <laughs> for you. you're you definitely ha- you know when I was l- watching your show like you make you are make you made me laugh and I think people watching that who haven't experienced the loss may not exactly get it but I was watching it and I was like oh my god that's hilarious because you know, it's it's so relatable and it's nice to listen to somebody that is making light of something that is so awful but just shows that you can laugh about it so yeah, you're doing great things as
1: well. Oh, thank you. I hope that it actually feels like that and it's not. I'm not just being super indulgent, like, come along, pay money <laughs> to see yeah. me talk about this. <laughs>
0: well, where can people find you and or listen to your show, watch your show, you know, do a bit of self-promo?
1: Well, what I was thinking now that we're in such odd times is that I was potentially, once this podcast goes out, um, was going to make a link available so anyone could watch it because it's otherwise it's just going to be sat on my Google Drive not doing anything and I won't be able to <laughs> perform it for a while. So um, I will make that available. My um, social media stuff is at Alexa Jade G. Um, you can find me on Instagram and I think maybe I'm Alexa Gibbons performer on Facebook. Not that I really uh-huh. use it, um, but um, I will. Also, just you have the link so that you you can also pass that on. Um, so I will make sure that it is kind of available, ready for
0: okay. really,
1: so that if people can, you know, if, if people want to watch a working progress of a. Of a woman having a small breakdown
0: to make a laugh. <laughs> Feel free, go for it. <laughs> I've got to say, it is a great way to spend an hour every time if you want to have a laugh about something only we get. So 100% do it. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, that'd, that'd be brilliant, Alexa. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. people would love that.
1: I hope so. If anyone, just one person, gets one small laugh out of it when they're going through grief, then I'm like, yep. You've done your done. job. Yeah, <laughs> cool.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much. Oh no, thank you, Kat. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Depressed Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show, or to write a blog for us as well if onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening, and we'll see you next week.